We've been through seven Prime Ministers, 15 iPhones, 19 years, four coaches, 187 wins, 237 losses, three draws and 6,944 days since the Brisbane Lions last featured on footy's grandest stage. But here in 2023, at long, long last, we are back where we belong. Today on the Raw Deal, Premiership legends Ash McGrath and Jonathan Brown are going to join us to talk through a game we've waited a very long time for as we kick off the very first ever live episode of the Raw Deal podcast, coming to you with 300 diehard members of our Lions family from the heart of Fitzroy in an absolute packed Royal Derby Hotel. How good is this? Mike Whiting is just fresh from an Uber from AFL House. You've been working in the, uh, the office of AFL Media for the day. Uh, you arrived when we already had almost all 300 here, Mike. Tell me your early impressions walking into this party. It's a bit different to AFL House, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I walked out of an office with about 10 people standing around very quietly and walk, walked into a, a madhouse. Oh, look, this is just the absolute best. We're going to preview the game. Uh, we're going to have a ch chat, as I mentioned, with Ash and with Brownie. Uh, we've brought the crystal ball down with us. That's made it on the flight. Pretty heavy, actually. I added three kilos to my luggage <laughs> to get the crystal ball here. But we'll do our, our grand final fortune telling as well. Um, we're just blown away by the, the vibe in the room. It feels a bit like a dream, to be honest, Mike. I, I was thinking when you and I met each other at Denham Co. in Southbank about 11 years ago and I threw the idea at you were doing a podcast... I don't think this was ever in the planning. No, it wasn't. It's been a long time in the mate. We've recounted this story a bit on the podcast um, over the years, but yeah, incredible journey for us. Mm. We had a little interlude about halfway through and then obviously at the end of last year, we um, went out on our own and this has been a pretty incredible first 12 months and a great cap to it to have a live podcast in Fitzroy. Like that's yes. incredible, isn't it? Just as good as it gets. So uh, look, we're obviously recording this Thursday afternoon. Uh, people are going to be hearing this if they're not in the room with us Friday and maybe Saturday morning in the build up to the day. So we're going to jump into our analysis a little bit later on. But to begin with, Mike, You've waited years to cover one of the Queensland teams in the grand final. Here we are on Thursday afternoon going into the evening. I want to hear from you. What's this week been like? Has it been everything you dreamed of for all those years? It sounds stupid because it sounds like, you, you know, you're talking to me like a player and it feels silly me talking about that. It's I've waited such a long time and I've like, that's something you ask a player, right? <laughs> but it does feel like that a little bit to be honest. I've yeah. tried to soak it up as much as I can as a journo and a fan of footy and like someone who's followed the lines for, you know, th since I came to Brisbane, really, that's when mm. I really started following them 30 years ago, like, uh, 30 years ago, aging myself there, I know. Um, but it's been incredible. I think that they had some open media on Monday. So that in itself, just the extra media attention was something we don't see in Brisbane very often. Tuesday was mayhem at the open training session. Lockie Neal did a press conference with more journos than I've ever seen at yes. any stage in Brisbane by far. What was the rough count, do you reckon, for Lockie's uh, Brownlow presser? It's hard to tell because there was every outlet from Brisbane there and, and there was multiple journos from many outlets because they were there for open training and there was journos up from Melbourne. Um, mm. Channel 7 and 9 from Melbourne had journos up and so maybe 15 or 20 journos at a rough guess and um, half as many cameras. So that was crazy and then... Just everyone, because I'm the uh, one guy that sort of writes about Brisbane and has for a long time, not the only guy, obviously, but one that's sort of followed them quite closely. Outlets from around the country want to speak 
to me. They want to ask my impressions of the, the, the ride over the 10 years. So I've been agreeing to every radio interview known to man and I've been into just about every state in the country this week. So it's a bit surreal for me as well, to be mm. honest. Um, although, like I said at the start of this long-winded answer, it feels a bit stupid talking about myself in that context. Oh, not at all, Mike. You've been a pivotal part of this journey. How much do you love Mike Whiting's work, everybody? <laughs> You are you are part of the part of the furniture for us. My life face about as red or maroon as a lot of the uh, scarves in here at the moment. I'd reckon. <laughs> well, the question I've got for you, actually, Mike, uh, about these media spots you've been doing. I know Wednesday night you were in the SEN studios with everybody's favourite commentator, Kane Corns, and the why, why are people laughing? Yeah, Come that's on, Kane's good. That's good. <laughs> well, the question I've got for you is: Kane recently did call Jack Payne Jackson in an article. Did you bring it up with him? Did you correct him? No, oh, I didn't bring it up because he didn't make the mistake when I was on air with him. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> and I walked into the studio when they were already on air, so mm. we didn't get a lot of just general chit-chat off yeah, air. So sure, I didn't sure. get a chance to raise it, unfortunately. But uh, We'll get there one day. I mean, will. and it is our Royal family who've corrected the Jack Jackson situation. Keep it up. Yes, keep Thanks. it up. As we sit here, though, we have heard the news. Mitch Cleary's reporting that Jack won't play mm. in the grand final. No word if Jackson Payne's going to play yet. We'll wait for that. Um, <laughs> but Darcy Gardner is going to be in. Now, by the end of this podcast, we will get the final teams through. But um, it sounds like that's not a major surprise, probably how we expected things would go. Yeah, I think so, particularly after the way Darcy Gardner played last week. <laughs> Another cheer for us. <laughs> Anyone listening, that wasn't for us. <laughs> <laughs> that may have been for a premiership player who wandered past, going past in the background. But it, look, it is. We are in a, an amazing. It's very different to our usual basement recordings here. It's fair to say, and we can't wait to chat to Ash and Brownie soon. I'm seeing a lot of eyes gaze away from us <laughs> to the door to see they who's only wandered have to in. Hear us. They don't need to see us. <laughs> um, but Mike, before we do look forward at this weekend, all Lions fans in this room and and in you know on this this journey. We've been through a really tumultuous run to get back here and I thought it was appropriate to sort of take a look back before we look forward. So I want to I want to talk about all those dark days between 2004 and 2023. You really want to go with a downer, do you? <laughs> I just feel like we, this is a bit of a healing, cathartic process for us. So the question I've got for you, Mike Whiting, what was rock bottom for the Brisbane Lions in your opinion? Well, the year certainly that was rock bottom was 2016. I think anyone in this room that's followed the club for at least that long would, would agree with that. Is that the general sentiment, 20, 2016? Yeah. For me, personally, and I know you've got a different answer to this because we've sort of conferred notes but, uh, or compared notes, but for me, I remember there was a game against GWS about midway through that season. It was at the Gabba. There was, the official crowd was just over 10,000, and I reckon, gen genuinely, I reckon they would have fudged the numbers there. Mm. And, and the Giants kicked 10 goals in the second quarter. It was the middle of Lepper's third season in charge and you just couldn't see any – honestly, you just couldn't see any hope. It just felt like this repeating cycle of getting thumped, getting thumped, getting thumped. No one was turning up to the Gabba. There seemed no hope for the players. There was a lot of um, disgruntled members of the team and you just thought, how is this ever possibly going to turn? How yeah, is it yeah. ever going to turn? So – I know you've got an answer from the same year, but for me that sticks out. It was just going post-match to speak to Leper and thinking, this is, why are we doing this? It just seemed forlorn. 
Well, do you know it's interesting? I've, I've probably shared this story once or twice before, but there'd been some speculation in the media uh, around that time that Jack Steele was going to leave the Giants and join the Lions. Mm. The Lions and the Saints were the two teams in the running. And I was uh, walking through level five of the Gabba. I'll mention Steele Talon, the club's former GM of comms at this juncture. I'm sure you won't mind that. Uh, he's happy covering a Broncos yeah. grand final <laughs> this week. Now he works there. But I was at level five of the Gabba and I walked past Steele Talon's office and uh, he was sitting in there. I think he might have had a whiskey in hand late at night after the, <laughs> after the awful loss. And his I said, third. His third, possibly. <laughs> third bottle. And, um, and I said to Steele, I said, look, I know it seems dark, but look, uh, sorry, I said to, to, it was Steele Talon and Jack Steele. That's funny. Anyway, I said to him, it might seem dark now, but uh, Jack Steele might be coming to Brisbane. And he leant back in his seat and said, not after that, he's not. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, look, my rock bottom moment was only a few weeks either side of that. It was the game in August the 6th, 2016. We go to Adelaide Oval and take on the Crows, lose 177 to 39. And I remember, Mike, I was at a friend's place for dinner that night. And like a real jerk, I said, can we put the footy on for a bit? Just love to see what's happening. And I sat there and went silent for five minutes as Eddie Betts kicked a goal and Eddie Betts kicked a goal. And, and I remember my friend Reese said to me, why do you do this? And I thought, that's a really good question, Reese. That's a really good question. Yeah, yeah. Bring out the cheese. That's exactly right. And look, um, one of the beautiful things about this weekend is Eric Hipwood, Harris Andrews, Darcy Gardner, Dane Zorko and Ryan Lester all played that night in Adelaide. And so to have these players who've been there at the bottom and journeyed all the way through with this group, I mean, you'd think they're the ones who are really going to take a moment on Saturday when they run out to, to sort of have this moment of going, hey, it does turn. This, the, everything people told us was true. You're right. And I, don't, I know there's a lot of people in this room that here that will be uh, have attachments to like a Cam Rayner or a Hugh McCluggage or a mm. Zach Bailey, you know. But um, oh, who'd that be? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like the general sentiment is those all those players you mentioned, they're the ones that are closest to supporters' hearts. Yeah, because yeah. they have been through the toughest times. Zorko, Lester, unfortunately, Daniel Rich isn't going to you know be be a member on Saturday, which which really sucks for him because he went through those rough times as well. But He's doing Fox Footy's longest kick, though, which is a good substitute. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It'll get him a ticket to the game, probably. That's true. That's true. (laughs) But, yeah, that's what endears you to supporters' hearts, I think, when you've been through the toughest times and you've stayed loyal and and this is the reward you get at the end of it. It's not guaranteed, but it is a reward they get. Absolutely. Uh, And, look, Mike, before we do uh, look into all that comes next, I did think it would be appropriate to pay tribute to the 19 years between grand finals because so many players did proudly represent the club in those years and battle away and have their careers. I'm wondering if there's one player from that run who comes to mind for you that you think we should mention here in grand final week. I mean, I've got one. I can go first if you want some thinking time. Yeah, yeah, you have to think time. I'm gonna, I'd like to give a mention, because one player who comes to mind for me of that middle years is Dan Merritt, who I wanted to give a mention to. I think about, I think about someone like Dan and, you know, he arrives at the club at the very end of the glory years and then he just battles away and battles away and battles away and... Um, I think probably my favourite Dan Merritt highlight is the five goals in a quarter against GWS <laughs> at the Gabba. But someone like Dan, who really only got the slightest taste of finals in 09 in his whole career. And, and when you think about moments like this, Jasper Fletcher's in his first season and he's going to have an experience that Dan Merritt could only have dreamed of in a very long like, career. A little bit like our two guests that are coming on later. Yes. Ma- making grand finals so early in their careers. 
Yeah, that's you it. You just think it's going to happen all the time. Another yeah. guy that comes to mind in that same ilk and it, it, is Jed Adcock. For me. Yes, yeah. He, he walks in late. Now, he at least plays some roles still, obviously, on the, the coaching panel, but he was another guy in that era that just slogged away and slogged away and mm. played a 12 or 13 year career and, and got maybe one final series. So, Jed, Jed's the one for me then. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Plenty of other great names there who've been there through the years in between. Um, but look, then we'll jump forward to this resurgence, Mike, and how things turned around. And it began in late 2016 with a press conference in the basement of the Gabba mm. as Chris Fagan was announced as the new coach. What, do you, what are your memories of that press conference? You know what? I was, I was actually digging around for that exact press conference today on YouTube. I couldn't find it. Right, okay. <laughs> Here we go. I, wanted, I did want to go back and look at it because I'm writing something about uh, Fags that will run on our website on Saturday morning and I just wanted a little refresher. But I do remember him talking about uh, culture and putting people first and that was his main priority is to make it feel like a welcoming, warm environment again. Um, so that's my main recollections and that he was such an optimistic guy, as you would expect a new coach is going to be. Yeah. But I just remember the, um, that, that grandfatherly face of Fags. He's got that big smile on his face. And I do remember that from his first press conference. He had David Noble and Greg Swan sitting with him. That was the Brains Trust. And you look back now and think, hey, at the lowest point of the club, that was the, the trio that you know, started the resurgence and mm. yeah, it was very, walked away with a bit of optimism from that press conference. And I guess seven years later, it's been justified. Uh, a few watershed moments that happened along the way. There was that first quarter against Gold Coast in Fags' first game in 2017, <laughs> yeah. where suddenly it looked like coaching was a lot easier than we thought. He <laughs> Suddenly, I think they kicked seven goals, yep. first seven goals of that game or something like that. There was the win over the Bombers in 2017 in Melbourne, beating the Hawks in Launceston in 2018. And then all the fun of 2019 that kicked off with a win over the reigning Premier's West Coast. But for you, Mike, I'm curious, if I asked you for the moment that you knew the Brisbane Lions were a serious force again, what was, what's the first moment that comes to mind for you of going, okay, this is, this is not just a promising team on the rise. This is now a contender again. A, a serious force. We have mentioned this, so you'll have to um, accept my apology if you've heard this, but it's the middle of that 2019 season. It's the back-to-back -back games against Port Adelaide and, and Greater Western Sydney where you realise that uh, defeating two excellent established teams on the road mm. is something only decent teams can do. You're not just winning on your home ground and catching teams off guard. You're, you're meeting them front on on their home ground and, and winning games. And that way you realise that Brisbane was going to play finals that year and that this team had a bit of bit of something about it again. We, we knew Lockie Neal was a force then and that felt like the turning point for me or the, the vindication that this was a team that could go places. Yeah, absolutely agree with you on that. Uh, we are just about to welcome up our Premiership heroes. Before we do that though, Mike, there are so many amazing stories when you reach a grand final and if the Lions do get the win on Saturday, you and I will sit down and we will do a when the Lions win the... <laughs> good point, thank you very much. When the Lions... What have you turned into, <laughs> I don't seriously? Know. I think I'm trying to temper this, Mike. What's happened to me? When the Lions get the win on Saturday, uh, we will sit down and do a seven or eight hour podcast where we'll go through <laughs> every single player and every single story. But I've asked you, and I'll do it as well, to give me just two stories of the players who will take to the field this weekend that to you, yeah. you, you feel most warm in the heart when you think about these two stories. What's the well, first I'm one? I'm taking the obvious one. Yep. I'm going with Froggy Lester. Yeah. Up the frog. 
Yeah. So obviously I've written about him this week and anyone who had access to speaking to him or, you know, on camera or in print form this week was itching to get Froggy's story out there because it's reasonably well known. It's very well known in the Brisbane community, not so well known outside of Brisbane. So he's been dropped 17 times. He's played on one-year contracts for five of his last six years. He was there when the go-home five left mm. and he stayed, which was a big thing. To, and he, the first thing he said when I asked him about that was loyalty is strong to me. And I think we all know that now, but it was, it's obviously a character trait that he holds close to him. So I think with what he's persevered through, that's the one that would be closest to my heart. And I would imagine a lot of the people listening and, and sitting here today would be the closest to, in, to their hearts as well. Do you think he could be the kindest human on the planet, Froggy? He'd be up there. He, yeah, he'd, he'd be struggling to find someone nicer than him yeah i used to occasionally go in on a tuesday and edit the reserves videos for the lions and i vividly remember that sounds fun it was a lot of fun i was <laughs> i was 18 and i wanted to be around the club but i do remember i used to park over at the near the coles complex at Wollongabba, and i kid you not i once saw ryan lester helping an elderly woman with her groceries <laughs> to the car and that that sums froggy up that's who yeah. he is that's who he is um, so, and he would have been about 20 then right yes yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. it that's exactly it. Uh, well, the first one I'm going to go with is uh, Jared Berry is the story I love from okay. this one. And the reason I've gone with Bez is uh, the trade that it feels like kicked the whole rebuild off was uh, when, when they traded pick two, the picks three and 16, they bring Hugh and Bez here together. And I remember we had Bez on the podcast in late 2017, a year on from his draft night. And you and I have often remembered this. He told us that he thought he was going to West Coast in pick, with pick 12. He slipped to the Lions and he was so happy that he slept in his Lions Guernsey that night in the hotel and he was just so thrilled to be a Lion. And then very quickly he signed a long-term extension at the club. Um, there were all these beautiful moments, like I think it was the 2018 game against Hawthorne. He led the group putting their Guernseys on together in the change rooms as sort of a, a moment of togetherness. And after all these years of players leaving and not wanting to buy in at Brisbane, it felt like Bez was the one who, who really was the first young player to go, no, this is my place and I'm going to be a part of this resurgence. So absolutely love the story of Jared. Yeah, I do Barry. remember that five-year contract he signed. And to be fair, why wouldn't you sign a five-year contract if you're offered one? But he yes. had the belief in the club. The next one I'll go to, maybe a little bit left field. I've gone for Link McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, give, let's give Link a cheer. Yeah. Um, like Link is... I wouldn't say he's the forgotten piece, but he's, very, he's best mates with Lockie Neal. Um, he came in the same trade period as Lockie. And people probably do forget that he barely got on the field for Geelong for seven years. He played mm. 26 or 29 games. He barely played. He was injured all the time. Do, do you remember, Mike, when we had him on the podcast just after he joined the club and he spoke to us about how he'd been doing some building work in the background and it was almost with a tone of... Yep. Well, I'm giving this one last crack, but I don't really expect it's going to work out. Yep. My body hasn't worked out, so I'm probably going to be a builder. That's what it felt like. Yes, and he, yeah. He was very aware. He was 25 or 26 years old. And Ryan Lester said to me earlier this week, that's about the age where players can fall out of the system. But Link was given a chance by Brisbane, and it was a bit of a flyer. They probably thought, well, let's see how he goes. He's got a bit of upside, and he's barely missed a game since. Been incredible. And I think at the start, and I love what he's done this year, he was, you know, maybe fringy being left out of the team early in the year, sort of reinvented himself as a defensive forward rather than the guy that's flying for every mark. And I just love his persistence, his perseverance, and the fact that he was so close to being out of the system, mm. got another chance and has just made every post a winner. 
And the, the other story I'll go with, I've been banned from choosing Zach Bailey, so <laughs> I'll, I'll do a whole episode on Zach one day soon if I haven't already. Um, but the other player I'll go with is, I was wrestling with this, because there are 23 great stories, yeah. and, and we will in time tell them all when the Lions get the flag, but uh, Joe Danaher was the other one I wanted to touch on. Because it is, yeah, how good's Joe? Yes. Because obviously he's got maybe the most famous last name in footy, and uh, I remember when he came to the club, He'd had that, that moment playing for Essendon in 2020 where he sat up on the fence yeah. briefly and <laughs> there was this sense that, that Joe doesn't take this seriously. Joe isn't really a heart and soul sort of person. And, um, I mean, I think early on there was some derision of the trade or the free agency recruit for that reason. But what Joe's done in the last couple of years has been pivotal to Brisbane being a contender. And my, I think the, the earliest memory I have of Joe at the club, you and I had him on the raw deal um, via Zoom just after he how joined us. Do I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but I remember I'd done a whole heap of, um, of sort of questions that I'd often ask guests to get to know them a bit better. And one of them was about uh, Joe's partner. I put a question there. So how is your partner Adele going to find the move up here? What's she going to do sort of thing? And the response Joe gave me made it very clear, I will never get anything personal out of the man. <laughs> I think he said, well, Brisbane's a beautiful place to live, pretty much, and that was it. And I thought, oh, okay, I guess to, that's to it. To be honest, that's how he answers most questions. Maybe some people watched his press conference on Monday and he's very pleasant and, and a very polite guy, but he doesn't really give you any insight into anything. Yes. But he's a lovely fella. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And it's kind of funny to me to think that one of footy's most famous names is possibly going to be a premiership player in a couple of days and he'll just wander back to his place in the northern rivers of New yeah. South Wales and... Probably, I don't He'll probably put the premiership medal in a drawer somewhere. Not yeah. think that much about it. No. Um, we'll talk a bit more about Joe a little bit later on, but I reckon at this stage, uh, I know we have one of our two premiership heroes. Have we got them both here? They're both here. Well, how about we welcome up Ash McGrath and Jonathan Brown? Come. It's a little bit of a walk. It's a little bit of a walk as they make their way up. <laughs> All right, we'll get Brownie and Ash to take their seats here on the stools. Now, uh, I, I have so many questions to ask you both as people wander past and take videos through the, through the, the windows behind us. Off Brownie's back. What a crowd. Yeah. What a crowd. Uh, have we got the microphones yeah. going there for Brownie and for Ash? We'll just get them both uh, turned up as yeah. we speak. But I'll start with you, Brownie, as, uh, as you take your seat here. I mean, the last time, obviously, the Brisbane Lions were in the grand final, you missed a lot of this because you were getting ready to play the game. But here we are in the heart of Fitzroy, and here in the heart of Fitzroy, we've got uh, 300 people, Lions fans, packed in here. You've mentioned yourself on the couch that it's your first grand final as a fan. Yes. What is this experience like for you emotionally? Well, it's unreal, and, and this is unbelievable. So I wasn't expecting, I thought we were just going to a podcast with three or four people. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. So. I didn't realise you had such a following, boys. Uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, they're here for us, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, well, it's a, it's a big weekend for us. Um, obviously, myself and Ash were fortunate enough to play in premierships. We used to live together and uh, it's so exciting for us to catch up as mates, but it's perfect that it coincides with our team. 
being in the grand final. Uh, and I just can't wait. I was a Fitzroy supporter growing up. Yeah, obviously, didn't have to worry about September back then. We were pretty shit. <laughs> um, let alone a grand final. Uh, so it's my dream as a kid for my team to play in a grand final. And obviously, it's a, it doesn't really count when you're playing in it. But as a genuine fan and spectator, I just can't wait to get to Saturday and just walk into the ground and see how my team's going to go and hopefully celebrate. I'm not sure there'll be tears in the stands like Billy Brownless when Geelong broke that premiership drought, but it would be just fantastic 20 years on to be able to pass the chalice to the new, the, the new kids on the block. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, we've got a, a bunch of preview questions to get to with you both shortly, but I'll go to you, Ash. Uh, take us back 20 years, Thursday before the grand final, what is this stage of a grand final build-up generally look like uh, for, for the players? Oh, fair bit of nerves, I think. Um, you know, you catch the flight down. I think they flew in this afternoon. So uh, it's all about just going through your preparation and soaking it all in. Um, like Brownie said, my grand final journey, uh, 03, started back in 2002 when I missed out. Um, and I was living with Brownie and he came back and he said, next time we play in the grand final, I want you playing. So... Uh, knuckled down a bit. Uh, Brownie taught me a few things on how to be, become a bit more professional. Um, and then, uh, yeah, got into the grand final, but it's all about soaking it in. Um, it's going to be tough for the, for the boys this year because most of them are quite young and, and new. There's only, I think, two players, Lockie Neal and Dunks, that have played in the grand final. So they'll, they'll have to tell the team what to expect, whereas when I came through, the boys had been in two grand finals, so they just said, look, Soak it all in, enjoy it, um, and then go about your business. You were both extremely young when you played your first grand finals. What, Brownie, second year, third year? Uh, second year, I was nine. Second year, and Ash was 20, I think. Um, what's, is that a, a help or a hindrance to a guy like a Jasper Fletcher or Darcy Wilmot, these guys that were you know, similar ages to what you guys were? Is the naivety of youth a good thing or can it be overwhelming, uh, do you think? Well, I suppose everyone's different. It's a good thing, I think. Um, I was just excited about that great advice from Lee Matthews. We all did, uh, leading in that first one especially. Um, and it was just take it all in. You know, you might never know if you're going to be back. So enjoy the excitement and enjoy the parade and the colours, all the Lions fans that come out. And they were really buoyed by that. And you're playing against S and you think, oh, geez, it's going to be all S. And then you look down, uh, what is it? Which, which street is it? Is it Collins Street? You look down and uh, one of the streets when you're standing on the steps there and you saw we had as many uh, line supporters as essence supporters. You know, yeah, how cool is this? You know, and uh, we definitely do now. Everyone's dropped off Essendon. Uh, yeah, so, um, so I thought, you know, this is it's so cool, you know, and I just really enjoyed it. And I found that I was actually, out of all the grand finals, I was probably the least nervous in the first one. And I think it is the naivety of youth and just go out there and enjoy it. And I think that's what Jasper Fletcher hopefully will do, as will the other young fellas and, Particularly Fletcher, he just looks like he's got so much composure and he's built for this stage. What about the other end of the spectrum, Ash? This is someone you played a lot of footy with, with Dane Zorko. It's taken 250 games to get to a grand final. Uh, how well do, do you know Zork and how do you think he'll be handling the, the intensity of this week? Yeah, Zork's, um, he was a pain in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed. <laughs> when he first turned up, I still remember Zork's... Uh, his first session was a 3K time trial after the uh, season off. Um, 
And when you're an older player and you go to the 3K time trial, you dread it. I was like, I'm going to come last. I'm going to run a crap time. <laughs> and this young kid was just up and about. And I was like, who the hell is this kid? Like, <laughs> just, just settle down. But that's, that's what kind of bloke he is. He's the energizer bunny. He's the energizer bunny. And, um, you know, sometimes that can rub off the wrong way on an on a older group. But, you know, he brought so much enthusiasm. I knew, knew his history playing against him a few times in, in the reserves when he was at Broadbeach. So um, I'm, I'm wrapped for Zorks. He, he's done the hard yards. Um, I think I only played 22 games before I got to my grand final. So um, he's played 250. But like Brownie said, you know, it was only my third year and you don't really, um, how do you say it? Appreciate, appreciate yeah. yeah. Whereas you see a lot of players through the competition, like Robert Harvey, um, never got to a grand final. I, I did it in my 22nd game and even blokes like Richard Hadley did it in his third game. So um, I, I went in thinking we're going to win just because we had the team that we had. So um, <laughs> the only thing I was nervous about that day is, I woke up out of the bedroom, opened the curtains, and it was pissing down with rain. <laughs> so we had three seasons in one proper Melbourne weather, so I thought it was going to be a hard game. But uh, it's going to be hot on Saturday, so hopefully that goes in our favour. There might have been a bit more certain. Well, there wasn't certainty about that third one because Colling, I think Collingwood might have almost been favourites. But obviously uh, they, you... They were favourites. Yeah, yeah, but, but you guys had that. a lot of self-confidence undoubtedly. What about your first one, Brownie? That's the, the situation a lot of these guys are in tomorrow and a lot of your teammates would have been in, in 2001. How do you face that first grand final? Um, what would they be expecting? So I was going to say tomorrow. Yeah, but yeah. It's, um, well, there's two bits of advice. Is, um, grand finals are no – in terms of your performance and what you need to bring to the table, it's no different to other games. So I think the worst mindset you can have as a competitor is go out there in grand finals and think, I have to be Superman today. I have to do more than I've done to get us to this point. That's when you set yourself up for trouble uh, and you go away from your team role. Even though you think you're trying to do the best and trying to help your team win, it actually becomes a uh, it sort of can, becomes counterproductive. And then the other thing is early in the game, you just got to get involved because a big occasion, it can be – everyone's anxious uh, no matter what. And, and you just have to – no matter how cool, ice cool you are, you're going to be anxious in that first 15 minutes. So you've got to get involved. Get involved physically. You, know, you want dirt on the knees – Halfway through the first quarter, if you're wearing white shorts, you want a bit of dirt on the shorts. Whether it be a tackle, a block, a big contest, whatever it may be, get involved physically early because the game can pass you by in a flash and you can get to quarter time and go, shit, I haven't had a kick. And then it's really hard because the pattern's set for the day and it's really tough mentally to pull yourself out of that. Um, so that, that's my advice. And then, you know, all this bullshit about the MCG, like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Our record, so that record has really been over the last 10 years and you go, well, the first five years of that 10 years, we didn't win anywhere. We didn't even win the game. <laughs> so it doesn't really count, but um, don't get caught up in it as players. You know, in the next 36 hours, you get asked, just go, oh, well, nothing we can do about it. We just have to, let's wait, till, wait and see till fri- 5 o'clock on Saturday. That's all you need to answer. Don't rail it. Don't come up with excuses. You played Melbourne, you should have won, but you completely dominated the premiership favourite at that stage a few weeks ago. Mm. To me, that could give you the belief that, hey, hang on, this ground holds no fears to us. But don't get caught up in the narrative uh, and the rhetoric about it all. Don't be tense, just laugh it off. Okay. Laugh it off. And I think any time you rail at it, and that's a key for Chris Fagan, 
Bags has got to be, he's got to lead the charge in that one. I thought he's been really good since that Melbourne game. And just relaxing. Don't bristle. Because you know what? It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you say. All that matters is those two hours on Saturday afternoon. And it probably begins from a mindset point of view with the grand final parade that's taking place tomorrow, which some players in the past have said has hindered their preparation. Maybe it's thrown them off, made them overly anxious, um, made them, you know, too focused on the hype around the game, not the game itself. What's your guys' both advice for the grand final parade? Some of our boys didn't go. Chris Chris and Brad Scott went and played golf. That was the last year. It wasn't compulsory. I think the AFL weren't happy. They were down in the national playing 18 holes. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting because they'll be getting asked a lot of questions, won't they? They'll be in the back of the, the trucks. Thank God this year you won't be in the boat. In the, although, <laughs> it actually might have helped us if we were in the boat going down the Yarricks. We wouldn't have got asked those stupid bloody MCG questions. So. <laughs> but they'll have to answer all those. But just yeah, water off a duck's back. Yeah, for the parade, it's just all about, like Brownie said, just embracing it, enjoy it. That was the biggest thing that I learned because, like Brownie said, you never know when you're going to get back there. So um, you always have a camera and a microphone put in your face and just give off the normal answers, see how we go on Saturday. But it's all about just enjoying it. Um, (laughs) But the best thing I've said, even the turnout today, um, walking around Melbourne today, I've seen more Brisbane Lions fans than Collingwood fans. So... um, it's, it's great to see, um, and I know you guys will show all the support. And like Brownie said, I, they always tell the story about 01 um, when they came down, and there was more Fitzroy Brisbane Lions fans than Essendon supporters, and that makes you feel better. And we only hung around in Fitzroy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we've got to ask you about the symmetry of this. I mean, for it to be Collingwood again, 20 years on, and this time two of your teammates, Craig McRae and Justin Lepich, coaching Collingwood. I mean, footy has a funny way of bringing things around full circle, but is there any part of you that would like to see a win for, for Fly and for, for Leper or not at all? No. <laughs> Hell no. Um, yeah, they're, they're great, great coaches, um, great teammates, but, you know, I'm Brisbane through and through. And, um, I, was a, I was a little bit worried by quarter time last week. I, my, my son was crying um, didn't think we were going to get it, and I was sitting there going, shit, you know, our 20-year reunion might be a little bit spoiled. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, the fairy tale's there, um, you know, and, and the romance of being 20 years, but, you know, we did that 20 years ago, so now it's up to this group to go out and forge a name for themselves and hopefully turn that into a dynasty. We feel proud about the boys, though. You know, look, and it's a fantastic legacy that Lee Matthews leaves, doesn't he? Like, this year, four senior coaches in the AFL, which is incredible, and so we've been very fortunate under Lee, but uh, so you've got a soft spot for the boys, no doubt about it. And, um, but absolutely, we hope that, uh, yeah, I hope Fly's a little bit disappointed and a big lap on Saturday night. Brownie, how do you find critiquing your former teammates now that you, I mean, you've been in the media for quite a few years, obviously, but now that you've got this, you mentioned there, four teammates that are now senior coaches, how do you find critiquing them and uh, analysing their performance yeah. and commenting on them? Um, I always try and be fair. Um, I try not to talk to the boys too much about it. You know, the last thing they need is me calling them up and trying to get tactics out of them. And, you know, then I go and use it on TV and act like I'm a big know-it-all. Um, <laughs> so you imagine the last thing you want is my mates looking at the phone and my name rings and goes, ah, oh, fuck, here we go again. You know, so <laughs> what's he want? So, um, 
So got great respect for the role, how difficult that role is, no question about it. And uh, you just got to be honest. You've got to see it as you are. I, I try and be, you know, I obviously try not to be unbiased. Um, sorry, try not to be too biased. Um, and sometimes your frustration comes out because you are a supporter and you just want your team to go really well. But uh, I think at times you need to give the critical feedback um, because that's part of your job in the media and then you hope like hell that not that they're listening or you don't think they're listening but uh, you just hopefully they can respond and uh, every time we've had to pass on some criticism in the last two or three years they've responded really well. How's Fags handle it? Uh, Fags is yeah Fags gets um, he gets a bit prickly you know <laughs> I think I'm, Mike might have first hand, just me. <laughs> first hand experience there. I know look personally with me he's, he's always good and we always we chat regularly um and we always have good chats about the footy and he gets a bit prickly with a couple of my colleagues, that's for sure. Uh, you might have been in the crosshairs a couple of times, but, you know, you, don't, you sort of, you shouldn't worry about that too much because at the end of the day, it's just an opinion. And it doesn't matter you mean you're right or you're wrong, it's just an opinion. Um, and I think Fags has got better at that as the years gone because I think if you rail at everything that gets said, it washes onto the players. And you've got to be really careful of that. Lee Matthews took no notice of it. Every now and again, he would play a comment from a commentator, whether it be during the match broadcast or whatever. Every now and again, he'd just throw it in during a, a review meeting. He'd say, hey, have a listen to this play. I've got great respect for this guy. Have a listen to his comments. And instead of Lee giving you the critical feedback, I suppose there would be a commentator who's a good judge of football. So he would use different ways to be able to pass on that feedback, which you need. I want to ask you both about the uh, players carrying your old numbers this weekend uh, because they're both pretty pivotal if the Lions are going to get the win. We'll start with you, Ash. Um, are you happy that a two-time Brownlow medalist has taken the number nine? <laughs> no, not really. Um, it, it astounds me. I, I'll say to my yeah, young... Hey, he, your name's still above him in the locker. Yeah, it is. <laughs> forever. Uh, forever. Forever. But... I always say to my young fella and my kids, when we walk around, I took him to Brisbane uh, in May, and I said, that's how good Dad was. When, uh, <laughs> I've been retired nine years, and players, uh, supporters are still wearing my numbers. So, um, <laughs> uh, but, Actually, you know, I haven't seen him kick a goal after the siren, though. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a lot, lot, lot bigger kick than Rocky, but... But, yeah, I reckon number 16 goes all right too, doesn't he? Absolutely, yeah. I'm very proud of um, Cam. He's just a wrecking ball, isn't he? Uh, I can't wait for his impact. I feel as if he's built for grand final. Everyone's talking about Dugowie and the explosiveness he has with Cam Rayner as that inspires. So, mm. um, yeah, you'd want to keep your wits about you on Saturday if you're a Collingwood supplier because uh, there's no next week and... You know, he could cause some damage physically, no doubt about it. Well, speaking of Cam Rayner Brownie, you were famously linked to Sweet Caroline in your playing days. And then we noticed the new number 16, Cam Rayner, picks it as his goal song at the Gabba. Is there a bit of a link there? Well, it's nice, isn't it? I, I, didn't, I didn't pass it on, but I was very happy because uh, <laughs> Sweet Caroline is a... Um, it's a pretty easy song to remember, the words. Uh, <laughs> but obviously I went for it because usually when you're uh, singing it, You've had a shitload of piss. Only about, so, uh, um, I, I started off with We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel and then I worked out very quickly after a few pots. It's hard to remember. There's a lot of, a lot of lyrics. 
<laughs> Not have a crack at we didn't start the fire after a few beers. It's tough. <laughs> so I'll leave that up to my daughter now, but uh, yeah. How good's the music after, go- after goals? Yeah. Well, it's good. <laughs> Jeez, it'd be nice, wouldn't it, if uh, John Denver starts ringing around the MCG a few times? Oh, we've got to make it happen, guys. We've got to make it happen. Well, that's a good question. What would your goal songs be if you were playing today at the Gabba? What would you both have? Would it be Sweet Caroline for you, Brownie? Just thrown that right without notice at you both. What's the first song that comes to mind for you, Ash? Well, it's not Frozen. I guarantee you that. (laughs) Because... I reckon if me and Brownie were still playing and someone picked Frozen, we'd tell them, you've got to change it straight away. Because <laughs> there's nothing worse when you play a game of footy and you get a song stuck in your head and it just replays over and over and over again. But, yeah, that's a tough one. I, I, I would have thought Country Roads, but Country yeah, Roads are that's a good one. I remember Lee had an issue with me in the early days. I mean, only first or second year. He used to listen to the headphones. I'd go, I'll do it now. And uh, he used to pump himself up. He said, I said, I said, Thunderstruck and shook me all night long, highway to LT and T, all that. And obviously, then I went through a f- few issues with the tribunal. Uh, <laughs> so Lee, Lee came up to me and just said, hey, I, don't know, I don't know if you need that, uh, those headphones. <laughs> so I think he might have wanted to not me listen to Enya or something like that before I go. So. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Just some Celtic music blasting around the gather. Some harp or something when Brownie kicks the goal. Um, we've got to ask you, Brownie, we know you, your daughter's a Carlton fan. I don't know how that happened, but that has happened. Have you got the, are the, the other kids on board for the Lions? Absolutely. I, uh, it's bad parenting, that first one. I was, <laughs> I was a little bit slow. I took things for granted, you know. I think uh, she should appreciate who her old man is, but uh, clearly she didn't give her out to us and had no concept because... We were living in Melbourne and uh, her best mate was Carlton. And, yeah, and then the Carlton, uh, the Carlton Mafia got the claws in her and all that sort of stuff. But she learned a very, very valuable lesson on Saturday evening when uh, <laughs> I took her to uh, a friend's place across the road, a Greek family. And as we know, the Greeks, uh, they're all Carlton supporters. And uh, <laughs> so at quarter time, she made the fatal mistake of asking me, Dad, do you think... I can have a grand final ticket to go and watch my team play next week. <laughs> Two hours later, as we're walking home, I said, young Olivia, you learned a very valuable lesson today. So don't go the early crow. What about you, Ash? How's, how's your little one handling the nerves of grand final week as a Lions fan? Yeah, he, he lives and breathes the Lions, so I remember last year when they lost, it took me about four hours to get him to stop crying. But... Uh, <laughs> It's a very tough environment over in WA, being a uh, Brisbane Lions fan. Um, you know, when we were going through the tough times and the Eagles and Dockers were up and going, going to school with these Brisbane Lions things, I was more worried about him coming home with bruises on him. <laughs> but now that they're up and about, um, he just sits there and wears his, uh, his scarf for school and just he gets into them, which is good, so... Well, we're going to jump into our match preview and some predictions in a moment. Uh, before we do that, though... I just want to bring something up about this podcast with you, Brownie. Now, are you aware that you were the voice of the Raw Deal podcast for the first five years? Does that ring a bell at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't well, believe it. Well, by the look of the crowd, there must be some royalties in it for yeah. sure. This is so, the biggest well, crowd I've seen. Like well, I was we on got- Brecky Radio for seven years. We never did uh, got crowds like this to <laughs> broadcast. Well, Brownie, I'll say this. Back in 2017, the Lions uh, GM of comms, who I believe is here today somewhere, Anthony Allsop, who kicked off the Royal Round of applause for Anthony, wherever he is in the crowd. We owe him a heap, and wherever you are. 
Ant sent a request to you or someone did down at Nova and you did a voiceover saying, G'day Lions fans, it's Brownie here. And where's, hang on, where's your Brownie impression? <laughs> oh, don't make me do that in front of him. That's the most <laughs> mortifying thing of all time. But you, did, you were the voice that we used for five years there. So, uh, well, what happened after five years? Well, we sort of uh, got... You say it, Mike. I'll say it polite, we got the arse. <laughs> <laughs> so we've gone out on our own and look what we've got. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I'm the... Uh, I'm, I've graduated to the voiceover man for Foxtel now, so yes. uh, yeah. you, you started me off, boys. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, do you want to give us a welcome to the Raw Deal now? We'll use it going forward. Happy to do that, Brownie? Welcome to the Raw Deal. <laughs> <laughs> Are we ready, Lions supporters? Yeah! There you go. Cut that together beautifully. Yes. <laughs> That's stunning. All right, well, let's look at the game this weekend now. And uh, I'll begin with a, a question for, for you, Ash. Obviously, we've heard the news today that the Lions were held up on the tarmac for an hour and a half with storm delays in Brisbane. Now, how fine are the margins of mindset and preparation heading to a grand final? Is that, is that a really big deal or do you think that'll, they'll wash right off their backs? I don't think it matters too much. Um, sitting on the tarmac, you know you're coming down to play in the grand final, you had to look at what these fellas had to go through in 2001 when ANSAT went under and they didn't know how they were going to get down to the grand final, so um, at, least well, well, a, at least they had a ticket, so. Yeah. <laughs> we thought on the Wednesday night, ANSAT went bust that grand final week and as of the Wednesday night, we thought we were catching the train down. <laughs> Imagine that, the overnight express. Uh, you wouldn't want to bunk him with Pikey. Uh, so, <laughs> And fortunately enough, we got down there on the, on the private charter. But grand final week, you know it's different. So you can't go in and be so rigid with your preparation. You need to roll with the punches a bit to, to hold yourself in the best mindset uh, and have, your, have the most energy on Saturday. We'll have it confirmed in a little while when the teams come out. But we know that or we've heard that Jack Payne will be, uh, has remained out of the team and Darcy Gardner will stay into the team. A week ago, it felt like that might have been an issue, but what do you think about that now, Brownie? Do you think that's a, an issue for this weekend, or is Gardner a good matchup for Collingwood? It's actually a good matchup. Uh, I would have been surprised if Jack Payne came in. Unfortunately, he's had a fantastic year, but he's injured and uh, his mobility is affected, and you can't have, especially the pace the game's played at now, as a key position player, especially. Um, so they made the right call there. Darcy Gardner is a good matchup for whoever he plays on. Uh, I think he actually he matches up well against Mycheck. You know, if Cox goes forward and Harris has to play on him. So um, they've made the right call there. And I think he did a sterling job last week on Charlie Kerner. Well, tell us a bit about Collingwood then. Uh, I'd love to hear from both of you on this. What is it about what Collingwood have done under the, over the last couple of years under Fly that's impressed you so much? Might start with you, Ash, on this one. I was hoping you would ask Brownie about that. He's the <laughs> footy analyst. So um, I think he's just brought a bit of fun to the club. Um, everything you see when they're coming up the race, even last week in the prelim, they're joking and laughing. And, and I think that stems a little bit from how Richmond uh, went through and had their dynasty. It became just fun. Football became fun. Um, and that's the best way you can go about it. And if you, if you if fly and hopefully Fagas takes the pressure off the boys and just says, go out there and, and, and play, um, it gets the best out of the team. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. They're connected. That's been the key to it, so... Um, they had obviously a lot of class there, still on the list when he took over. They weren't a basket case, so it wasn't like um, a situation where it was a four or five year rebuild. 
I still had a lot of high-quality players, which you need to get to the last day in September. Um, their game style is it's, it's exciting. It's, you know, they, they, they high-octane, uh, off-half-back. They're the best team launching the ball off-half-back in the competition. Obviously, we see Dacos a lot, but there's several other players that run the ball well. So if they get their tail up, um, they're a hard team to defend against. But the Lions have won the last six, and they seem to match up really well against them. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, not that that means everything, but it gives players individually confidence and also the coaches' confidence that they do match up from a game, from a stylistic point of view. So you're not going to – like, Collingwood's not going to go into the grand final and think, oh, shit, we've lost the last six against Lions and completely overhaul their game style and it become a surprise to the Lions. They'll play the way they play. Now, the one thing about Collingwood is they're the comeback kids last year but this year, especially late in the season, they've been getting out to early starts, getting out of the box really quickly and then really hanging on for dear life. They haven't been that impressive in the second halves of games. So for me, if the Lions were close at halftime or three-quarter time, you'd be pretty confident, especially with the conditions the way they're going to be. It feels like Brisbane's learnt how to close out games better this year as well. That, felt like that Melbourne match was a... It felt like a turning point. They coughed up the lead late, and since then they've navigated a way to, to finish games off a bit stronger. That's right, and that's what Collingwood did really well. It was a masterpiece last week in the last 10 minutes against GWS, the way they did it. Um, now, GWS should have been able to get over, but they had enough experience to work out how to close the game, and that would be all that scenario training they do. They do uh, 10 to 20 minutes of scenario late game training every training session, every main training session. So it's no coincidence that... The other night, they can do that, and they do it week after week. So that's a challenge for the Lions. But, um, you know, I, I think you know, I, I think their defence, Collingwood's defence, has problems matching up against our forward line, which a lot of – I know a lot of teams do because yeah, we've got a very dynamic forward line, but I think they've got some match-up issues, and that has shown with Charlie Cameron and Joe Dana being quite consistent the way they perform against the Pies especially. So that's going to be interesting if the Lions' mids can give them – at least break even and give the Lions forwards enough service. Well, let's ask you about the mids then. Uh, Josh Dunkley's obviously had a major impact this year. Is it a simple case of him uh, manning Jordan Degoe at stoppages? Uh, do you think he gets a specific matchup or how do you see his role? I think out? to be a starting point, you're trying to limit his impact at stoppages and his explosiveness away from the centre, especially centre bounces. You don't want Degoe charging out of centre bounce and probably Dacos in the second half. Um, as well fly through there. But, you know, you know I, I think most likely that'll happen. You have your base midfielders, uh, obviously Lockie Neal in there as well, and Huey McCluggage. But I like that. I call them the, the grenades. You know, you have your, your base crew, but every now and again you need to throw the grenade into the bunker if you're not making a dent. And they, that's Bailey, Zorko and Rayner. And I love, like, second quarter was sensational last week against Carlton. Like, we, were, we were off until late in the first quarter, and then bang, those boys get in there. They have an impact at the centre bounce. Oscar McInerney was outstanding. But those boys can sort of change the balance of the midfield mix, which will be really important. Your team needs big blokes to play like big men because that's what it requires in September. And they've been outstanding since that point. So it's not that we can't win a premiership with them in there. You can't win a premiership if you're big blokes like they were playing at the time, were playing like that. And since that point in time, they've been outstanding. And no bigger supporter than those two boys than, than myself in terms of the way they've gone about it. 
And that's why we're a genuine chance. And I think that's why we've got genuine belief coming into the game on Saturday because that's how, that's how footy gets played in September. Yeah, there's no easy kicks. Ash, what does that do for a small forward? Like we, we know uh, Hipwood and Danaher have done so well, but a lot of the attention for Brisbane goes to Charlie Cameron, Zach Bailey, McCarthy. What does the, the, the big guys, the presence of them do for, for small forwards like yourself? I reckon the small forwards, it makes it great because, you know, you've got Joe and Eric there that can take a mark. But the good thing about the line side is that Charlie can take a mark, McCarthy can take, take a mark, Rainer can take a mark. So you're actually becoming a lot more dangerous forward line. So um, I think Collingwood defenders won't be able to like, zone off and fly across because, um, you know, if the ball comes to ground, Charlie's just too quick, Rainer's too strong and... They actually finish their goals when they get their chance. So, um, you know, if we can get enough supply down there, I think we can kick a good, good score. So can you both uh, give us an insight into what grand final day will look like for you guys? Where are you watching from? And what are you expecting the emotional journey to be like? I know, Brownie, you said you don't expect tears, but uh, often people don't and then they just arrive. What, what is the day going to look like for you, do you reckon? Start with you, Ash. I'm going to soak it all in. Um, this year I'm going to probably get there a bit early and just watch the, uh, the parade because Jack Redden's uh, going around the car, so I want to get there and, and see Jack go around and, and Daniel Rich. Um, but I'm just going to enjoy the moment. Um, win or lose, um, it's great to see us back there. Um, I, I hope we win. No, I, we will win, I'm going to say. Um, one thing I ask from the crowd is every time Charlie kicks his goals, I know they're not going to play country roads, but... Um, there's nothing better watching on TV back in Perth when they play the song and the crowd plays and when it stops, the crowd keeps singing. Um, it's, it's one of the great, great songs and one of the great things I've seen in footy. Yeah, it's pretty special at the Gabba. I think we can all attest to that who've been there. There's a couple of our mates up there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> nice of you to join us, boys. We've got Chris Johnson Mate. and Darrell White on the oh, TV. John, two, just, uh, Brown, just one thing. I hope Whitey takes that jacket off before he comes and sees us because the way they dress that bloke on TV is horrendous. Uh, and what yeah, about Andy Cracker's not much better, mate. Uh, they look like they're in the 1970s. Um, what, what about you, Brownie? What's your grand final day look like? Uh, well, I'll go with my wife, Kylie, and uh, I think all the boys are going, so I'm not sure where we're sitting. We'll be spread out all over the G, but... Uh, Geez, I, I, uh, I can't wait. I think some years the boys want to sell the tickets, but I reckon this year they'll be firmly entrenched inside the ground. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just ride the emotions of it all, uh, ride the bumps and cheer for my team like all of us. Uh, I, I just can't wait. It'll be, it'll be a, an emotional roller coaster, won't it? Especially with all the uh, Collingwood supporters nearby. Um, <laughs> We just got Ash. Ash and Brownie posing for some photos. <laughs> and I will confess that's my mum taking the photos as well. <laughs> Social media manager for the raw deal. It's a good photo. Yeah, it's a, a good shot. A lot, lot of likes there, so <laughs> you might get as many likes as Dev Robinson with his channels. <laughs> Oh, that's actually, that's a question we should ask you. Of your era, who would have liked to get their kid off the most for a quarter of footy brownie? That's, that's right. Yeah, well, and, and I really had no right to because 
Everyone's seen me enough, and you have, without my shirt on. I've got no chest, so I'm a, I'm a bit of a surfboard. Uh, even though I hold the bench press record of the Lions, so don't give me too much shit. But uh, I did become a centrefold of a men's magazine once uh, for, my, for my shot at quarter time. But um, no, it was uh, – who, who liked to go? I'll tell you who was well put together. It was Craig McRae, wasn't he? The biggest biceps – by far, and I used to look at him and just want to touch him every time. I was. <laughs> it was my big mate, Dan Bradshaw. And uh, I think Braddy might be coming to town for the weekend. And big guns, Bradshaw. What a man. Yeah, I kept my shirt on all the time. <laughs> there was a bit of a joke going around. When we did the skin folds, they brought the barbecue tongs. But, uh, but I learnt my way around it. Getting skin folds, you know, putting sunscreen on the skin and letting it slip. Or, you know, the dietitian used to think, gee, your car must have the best air con because I used to jump in the cold, cold plunge. Right. Yeah. Shrink um, the skin. Shrink the skin. Um, yeah, I, I kept mine on all the time. But uh, <laughs> It was yeah. funny, wasn't it, because um, Lee was big on, yeah, we, we had a good time away at the field, but we trained really hard. But Lee was big on skin folds. I'm not sure how much they do it these days, but as a measurement of your... A discipline really used to say, so skin folds just tells me what you get up to when you're away from the club and fair enough. So we'd have to do it every couple of weeks. And he had this rule that, you know, you couldn't play for the Brisbane Lions unless you were, I think unless you were 60 and the skin folds are about nine sites. If it adds up over 60, so you can't play for the Brisbane Lions. Anyway, so my first year I come into the club and he's got this rule and going, oh, yeah, okay, so we're going to get to 60 as quick as we possibly can before round one. Got to be below 60. And all of us are there quite quickly, especially after Christmas. Well, Chrissy Johnson uh, had just been on the honeymoon to Italy. And, uh, and uh, the Indigenous boys probably don't go that well with the Italian food when it comes to, uh, when it, when it comes to the skin folds. Well, John had come back 130 and uh, started pre-season. So he had a fair way to go. And uh, so anyway, it was interesting because, you know, we keep going, Lee keeps reiterating the point. Boys, you know what I say? You can't play for the Brisbane Lions unless you're under 60 skin folds. So, you know, go through November, December, January, February. John only just cracked the 100 mark in about February. (laughs) This is going to be interesting. Anyway, we played two or three practice games. We're on the eve of round one and Lee gets up in front of the group and says, well, tell you what, boys, you know my rule is going through the skin folds. You know my rule? You can't play for the Brisbane Lions unless you're less than 60 skin folds. Or your name's Chris Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be no good on radio, that bloke. He's my wingman. He took the punchline. Who is that man? So, uh, so, um, but that was that showed the management of Lee Matthews. Everyone was different. You know, he treated we're a team, but everyone just slightly different because a guy like John O was just an elite talent, and he was an animal. When, he, mm. when the balls came out, he was an animal. And I think he was symbolic of the rest of our team. It's great competitors. What would it mean to you to see Lee Matthews handing the Premiership Cup to Chris Fagan on, a, on Saturday afternoon? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it would be amazing, wouldn't it? it uh, that might bring a tear to your eye, that's for sure. So we've got tremendous respect. I think it's, it's fitting, don't you reckon, that uh, Lee – and Lee's obviously still involved with the club as the football director. So I think it would be a nice touch. I think it's very difficult. Obviously, Fly's not going to do it if he loses. Um, <laughs> as one of the coaches, Vossi, it'd be, I think it'd be unfair for Vossi, Brad Scott and Chris Scott to do it. Um, 
So one of the current players, or Lee Matthews is fitting. I think it's nice. Well, guys, we have a segment on our show. It is called Fortune Telling. Now, this is where we gaze into the crystal ball, which has made its way to Melbourne with us, and we get some predictions for the week ahead. Are you guys happy to join us for some fortune telling for the grand final? Yeah, yeah. no worries. All righty. Well, uh, let's fire off the, the fortune telling music. Now, we should warn you, this segment is awfully inaccurate. <laughs> Historically. I was going to say, I hope we're not going to go over these predictions <laughs> yeah. uh, next week. No, we will certainly not be doing that, Brownie. Um, so I want three things from each of us. I'm going to ask for first Lions goal kicker, result, and Norm Smith medalist in the crystal ball. Uh, I might kick it off myself with first goal kicker. I'm going to go Joe Danaher for the first goal, I reckon. I think he's going to wheel around from 55. Bang one through in the first couple of oh, minutes. Are you telling us how it's going to happen? Yes, as well. that's you're getting from me here. <laughs> what about you, Mike? What are you seeing in the crystal ball? Oh, I don't want to take the obvious one straight away. I'm, I'm going to go Link McCarthy. Okay. I'm a Link man. He robbed he robbed Dizzy Gardner of a goal last week, so he's, <laughs> he's pretty hungry at the moment, I reckon. So I'll, I'll go for Link. What about you, Brownie? First Lions goal kicker. I'm going to go Huey McCluggage. The old South Portable boy. Uh, hopefully it's on the runs. The set shot, the set shot goal kids. Not as confident, but uh, no, he's. Uh, I played with his dad at South Portable. Uh, his old man Sam McCluggage. Um, so I'm so proud of Hugh and she's how good has he been in the final series? It was unbelievable, especially in that Port Adelaide game. Yeah, my first goal scorer became Rona. Um, okay. Either either he's going to jump on someone's head. Oh, he's going to get a ground ball and snap. Beautiful. And we'll, we'll go back the other way from you, Ash. Uh, result. Who and by how much? And I'm just going to warn you, if anyone does go Collingwood in this room, it might end well for you. <laughs> but who and by how much? I'm going to go Brisbane by 30. Yes. Yeah. Brownie. Uh, I'm not as confident. Brisbane by eight. <laughs> Brisbane uh, by eight? Okay. Yeah, but yeah. Brisbane by one. Anything more than one or above, we're happy with it. Actually, one would be pretty damn good, wouldn't it? So. Uh, Brisbane by 13, I reckon. Okay. A bit more confident than Brownie, but not as confident as Ash. And I'll slot in the middle. Brisbane by 22 is how yeah. I see it going as Got well. Got uh, And then Norm Smith medalist. Now, my Norm Smith prediction is a bit of a, a slightly controversial one, but I'm actually going Joe Danaher for the Norm Smith, I think. Okay. I reckon the stage and the, the gravitas of the event won't phase him in the slightest. He won't feel any of that additional pressure. He'll have six goals and be the Norm Smith medalist. So I think it's going, to be, it's going to be an enormous day for Joe. Norm Smith for Joe, for me. Mike, what about you? I hope you're right. Yeah. <laughs> if he kicks six, he'll be the Norm Smith medalist, that's for sure. Um, I'm going midfielder, shockingly. I'm going Josh Dunkley. Yeah, I really liked what he did against Cripps last week and I know that's, I just see a similar role for him. I see him getting a, it's a contested game, he'll get a lot of the ball, he'll keep the goey quiet and I see a big game for Dunks. Um, I'm gonna, actually going to go the fairy tale. Dane Zorka is 250. So he's going to be around the footy. Um, he's an experienced uh, campaigner and I think he'll be able to handle the boys out there. I'm going to go Kitty Coleman. You seen what he did last week? He changed the game. You know, he might get a little bit of uh, work put into him, but if he goes up against Bobby Hill, um, I think he'd be just too smart to uh, 
yeah. run off him and take a few marks, but he's left foot. Um, he's the one that will be able to drive it through the middle and get it forward. And the great thing about it's hard to limit an attacking half-backer, isn't it, you know, because everyone's talking about matching him up and all that sort of stuff. The, the impact the half-backers you have is on the back of the midfield territory. So it's a bit like, you know, I'm sure we all, a lot of us follow rugby league. So the rugby league analogy, if your big forwards are going well, they're a good roll forward, it brings the halves into the game. So our forwards are our midfielders. Um, uh, the forwards are our midfielders in Neil, Dunkley, McCluggage. And our halfbacks and our five-eighths are Coleman, McKenna and Wilmot. So those boys only get the opportunity on the back of good territory from the Lions midfielders. And, you know, if that's happening, it doesn't matter who's playing on Coleman and McKenna, they're going to be really hard to stop because all of a sudden they're getting their touches centre field and they're starting to put it inside the Lions forward line. Well, it's painting a pretty brilliant picture of Saturday, the conversations we've just had here. Uh, As we wrap up, and we are so grateful to you both for making time to do this, but you think about... All these these uh, dark times the club endured, and you were both there for a number of them. Um, I mean, who would have thought that that we'd find ourselves here again? Three hundred Lions fans in the Royal Derby in Fitzroy, Brisbane back on the grandest stage. It must be such a special time for, for you both. After that, the, the, I guess you were there for at least half of the the difficult times you both. Had. How is that for you emotionally? Just to to see this scene and to be in this week again. Yeah, I love it. Um... As you know, me, when me and Brownie came to the end of our careers, it was a bit of a dip and we are sitting towards the bottom of the ladder. But um, just to see what Fags has done with this group and, and the club and I think moving to out to Springwood and getting them a, a proper place to train. Like when, we, when me and Brownie played, we were training out of Cooperoo or Yeronga or they're just trying to find some footy ovals to, to, to train from. So now that they've got their facility out there, it became so much more professional and you can see the results on the park. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It's they're very proud of the club and been some great management the last few years. And you know, I know, you know, Leper was criticised in the back end, but Leper started the rebuild. You know, with the, you know, with the drafting and playing the younger players, and obviously Fags is able to take it to, to another level. His leadership's been outstanding, and so is the other heads of the footy club. And it's just been consistent all the way through. And you have to experience finals before you have a successful one. And mm. unfortunately, we've gone through the heartache the last three or four years, but you actually need that to be able to climb the mountain. And hopefully, um, that's going to be create the, the unbelievable foundation on Saturday for us to be standing on the dust. Well, I mean, you're about 48 hours away, you two, from having 23 new Lions Premiership players join you uh, in the history books. So... I mean, you guys are going to have a bit of competition for the sportsman nights going forward in Brisbane, (laughs) things like that. But thank you so much. We are so grateful for all you've done and for making time tonight. Can we give it up for Brownie and for us? Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And as we wrap things up here from the Royal Derby, Mike, uh, a couple of things. One point I wanted to mention... A bunch of Lions fans have asked about a Saturday night post-grand final uh, gathering or some sort of event for those not going to the official club event. What we can say is we've been speaking uh, to the Workers' Club in Fitzroy. Now, if the Lions get the win on Saturday or when the Lions get the win, uh, at 8 p.m. in the Workers' Club in Fitzroy, we're going to have the replay on. That's going to be the first replay. It will then play all through the night. But 8 p.m., Workers' Club in Fitzroy, commentary on, replay on, 
Lions fans gather there to re-watch the game together. That'll be a pretty special place to be if you are free. Uh, and also, we've got to give some massive thanks for this event. I mean, the first is, can we get a massive round of applause to Kane and the Royal Derby here? <laughs> Just an extraordinary uh, venue that has held such a, a wonderful spot in the heart of Lions fans for so long. And to be able to gather here, Mike, it's, it's warming my heart. It's been a beautiful afternoon, hasn't it? It's amazing. Like, we've talked about the, um, the Melbourne family of the, uh, the raw deal, but we've got to experience it today, haven't yeah. we? And right yep. in the heart of Lions territory. So thanks a million to Kane and thanks a million to all of you guys and everyone that's listening. It's uh, it's it's blown me away. Like to walk in and see this and to experience what we, what we had this afternoon is just something that'll live with me forever. Uh, we've already thanked Brownie and Ash and I think they've made their way. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll give that thanks there. Uh, we also need to have a massive round of applause for someone who has helped us all year long. He's flown down to help us out and save the day today. James North, our audio guru. James North Productions is what you want to be looking at if you need any help making music, putting audio together. He's as good as it gets. And uh, I mean, we, we hadn't shared this, but about half an hour before we opened the doors here, it was looking a bit dire uh, getting this thing working today. So James absolutely came to the rescue. And then um, I guess from, from both Mike and I, the biggest thank you has to go to all of you guys. This has been uh, such an incredible ride. It was almost a year ago to the day this week, I think, that uh, the Lions mentioned they were going with a player on podcast for this year and that the Raw Deal will be wrapping up. And, uh, and you know what? <laughs> and, you know, it's an interesting one because initially we were wondering, you know, is there an appetite to continue this? Will we do anything? And here we are a year on with all of you guys. So thank you so, so much. I think... Um, Amazing. Both of us, Mike, can't even really begin to describe how much joy this gives us. And to be part of the Raw Deal family with you all, each and every one of you who messages saying you enjoy listening to the show, it just, it means so much more than you could even begin to imagine. Best part of the week for us. Yep, I comfortably, think, yeah. comfortably, absolutely. Uh, so now with that said, the team lineups have just come out here. And so we can reveal there are no changes really for the grand final, uh, which is, yes, good news, Darcy Gardner will be playing uh, we have Billy Frampton coming in for Collingwood. Uh, Dan McStay out. And interestingly, they have omitted Patrick Lipinski. Well, on the way here, they announced that he's going to be the sub. So there we go. I missed so that Pat, story. So Pat Lipinski will be the sub for Collingwood on Saturday. And as for a Lions point of view, the four emergencies we have are Darcy Fort, Jimmy Tunstall, Jared Lyons, and interestingly, Jack Payne is an emergency. <laughs> so the sub will come from one of those four, but you can be pretty safely assured that it's going to be Jared Lyons, yep? Yeah, I think so, yep. All right, well, what lies ahead of us, Lions fans, over the next 48 hours is what we have dreamed of and longed for and hoped for for so many years now. However you are watching it, anywhere around the world, anywhere around the country, at the ground itself, we hope the day is everything that you dreamed it could be. Make sure you take a moment to soak it in, to slow down, to fully appreciate the joy that we are back here again. It's been an incredible ride and the best lies just around the corner. Go Lions and we'll see you on the other side.